disciples in their last moments together. And a couple of different times in this, the, these chapters, we see that Jesus makes a statement along the lines, something along the lines of, you, you won't understand all of this now, but you will, you'll, you'll know later. You'll remember this later. I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you'll remember, you know, things along these lines. The truth is that there are, there are probably in each of our lives, we can identify moments in time where things were happening and, and, and in the moment we didn't understand or maybe fully appreciate what was taking place and later we came to see things in a, in a greater light or we came to understand those things. There have been a lot of moments like that in, in my own life. I can even think about just in recent days as, as uh, I had a birthday last month and just reflecting on another year of life, another trip around the sun, that sort of thing. I'm thinking about the number of ways that I have learned lessons over time that things have happened. Now that I'm into my 40s, things have happened. Things have started to happen in my life that maybe I knew one day would take place, but uh, but you know, there was a time in my in my twenties, in in my earlier years, when that that seemed way off down the road. Forty one used to feel like that was really old, and that was coming. And uh, you know, now that I'm here, uh, you just get a different perspective on things. We've all been there, I suppose, in some way or another. Even if you haven't made it to forty one yet, we've all experienced those moments in life where you you begin to experience some of the inevitabilities of life. In fact. We even have a phrase for this, right? When we talk about this, we talk about things. It's not if, but when. You, you've used that before. When we talk about things, if this happens, if that happens. And sometimes we'll talk about it. It's not if. It's not a matter of if, but when. Because there are certain inevitabilities in life. Certain things that are bound to happen to all of us. Things that we are bound to experience uh, as life goes on. What Jesus really is, he's describing some things here to his disciples and he's using the, the kind of this if formula. If these things happen, if you see this happen, if the world hates you. In fact, you can just, as we read through the text in a, in a minute, you can identify, just circle or underline or, or even just pay attention to the number of times in this text Jesus uses the word if. But here's what I want us to understand about these if statements that Jesus is making to his disciples. These are not a matter of if really, but when. Jesus is talking about things that would happen, not things that could happen. He's talking about things that would inevitably come to pass, not things that just might conceivably take place at some point in the future. And even when we begin to unpack this and think about our lives and how some of these very things happen in our lives, we find comfort in the fact that Jesus told us these things would take place, and he's given us a plan for how we are to live when they do take place. Or you might think of it this way, that he's given us power to walk through or endure these things as they happen. And that's really the central focus of this text and this message that we want to look at this morning. We're going to be in John chapter 15, starting in verse 18 and then ending in the very few the first few verses of chapter 16. Let's read together, John 15, 18. Even the opening word here is the word if, isn't it? If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Again, this is really a, a reality, not so much of if, but when. We might think of when the world hates you. Jesus is saying, know that it hated me before it hated you. 
Verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they would also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now that they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Chapter 16, verse 1, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. It's not a matter of if, but when, that we will face resistance, persecution, suffering, obstacles, trials in this life. And Jesus is telling his disciples, but through the inspiration of the Spirit, the work of God and the revealed word, he's really speaking to us as, as well. He, these same words. When these things happen, he says, know this, that you're not alone. And, and that's what I want us to dig in and understand, that he's given us the helper. That's what he said in verse 26, right? When the helper comes, the helper is the Holy Spirit, the one who comes from the Father, who is, who is with us, leading us, guiding us, when we face these trials and persecution. So let's, let's dig in this morning and let's study this. Let's see the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, how the Spirit helps us in our moment of need, how the Spirit works in us and through us in those, those hours when we face difficulty so that we might overcome through the power of the Spirit, through the work of God in our lives, pointing us, leading us, to Christ. So three different ways that we're going to see the Holy Spirit's work in our lives as believers in this text. Three different ways that we're going to identify the Holy Spirit working in us as we face opposition, as we face obstacles or trials in our Christian faith. The first is this, is that he helps us overcome hate. We have help overcoming hate in this text. Look at the number of ways that the word hate is used. Uh, in, in fact, I have just underlined in, in my Bible that the word hate and the word that the many different uses, beginning in chapter 18, or excuse me, in chapter 15, verse 18, the world hates you. Know that it hated me before it hated you. And you can just keep going and identify the number of times. And, and yet, here's, the, here's the, the, the significance of what we understand we know that the defining character of a believer is to be love. 
We've just studied that last week and even the week before, that we are to love each other with the love that Christ has poured out on us. We're to love one another in the power of God through the example of Jesus who gave himself, who made the way for us, who taught us what real love is about. As believers, we are to be defined by love. And as we abide in the Father, then his love will abide in us. But the world is characterized by hate to the same degree that we understand that Christians are to be characterized, defined by our love. We see that the world is characterized or defined by hate. As a child of the 80s, okay, I grew up and my earliest understanding of what hatred was was from the Star Wars movies. Uh, and because, you know, in my day, in, as, as a young boy, I remember, you know, kind of this classic, this epic story of, uh, of the, the, the Jedi versus the dark side, right? The good guys versus the bad guys. Maybe you grew up and for you it was the Westerns, right? The guys in the white hat versus the guys in the black hat. Maybe it was something else. We all learned what hate is. We all learned at an early age the difference between love and hate, the difference between good and evil, if you want to think of it that way, or in, in the sense of what Jesus is teaching his disciples here, it's the difference between what it means to be a follower of Christ and to be someone who is, who is in bondage to the ways of the world. Worldliness versus godliness. It's, the, it's this epic struggle that we, are, that we are engaged in. And James, the brother of Jesus, makes it so plainly clear in the letter that he's written. In James chapter 4, verse 4, he says plainly, He says, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? And if we don't understand what he's saying, as if that's not plain enough, he, he takes it a step further. He says, therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. We need to understand that we are engaged in an epic struggle there is, there, there is a, a spiritual battle that we are engaged in as followers of Christ. This, this struggle between the things of God and the things of this world. This struggle between godliness and worldliness. More plainly even than that, we could say it's, it's a struggle between the forces of God and the forces of the enemy, of Satan, who is the, the prince of this air, the, who has dominion over things in this world. And in this struggle that we are engaged in, we have to make the choice to follow the path that Christ has shown us, that we would live in love, that we would follow the example of love, that our lives would be characterized by love and not by hate. And yet, Along the way, we will face hatred. We will face opposition. We will face those things, those trials, those things that are characterized by this worldliness or hatred as it's, as it's described by Jesus in this passage. And when we do, here's the, here's the real point of what Jesus is teaching. When we do, when we face, again, not if, but when we face those obstacles, the way that we overcome is through the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the helper who has come to to help us. Verse 26, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, 
who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So what is it that the helper does? What is it that the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit bears witness. This is what Jesus says, bears witness about me. In other words, the work of the Holy Spirit is to point us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit's work, the way that we overcome hate through the help of the Holy Spirit is that we follow the example of Christ and the Holy Spirit points the way. The Holy Spirit's role, one of his roles anyway, primarily is to lead us into godliness by pointing the way to Jesus. He convicts us of sin. What is the, why does he convict us of sin? So that we might be more like Christ. He fills us with power. He, we have the, the power of the Spirit alive in us. Why are we filled with the power of the Spirit? So that we can overcome things in this world and that ultimately we might be more like Jesus. It's the work of the Spirit pointing the way to Jesus in our lives. We overcome the hatred of the world, which we will face, the opposition of the world, which we will face through the work of the Holy Spirit. So we see that the Spirit gives us help in overcoming hate. Not only that, the Holy Spirit gives us power over persecution. Power over persecution. The Holy Spirit, alive in us, at work in us, gives us power. Now, if we're to be honest, as Christians in America, where things, where we, have, uh, we have religious freedoms that are guaranteed by our Constitution, we have, uh, we, we have the, the freedom to gather and worship We don't really know what genuine persecution is about. We know what inconvenience is about. We know what it's like perhaps to be unpopular. We know what it's like to face opposition, to come up against obstacles. But we don't know what genuine persecution is all about. Some years ago, in fact, a little over 10 years ago, I was on a mission trip in India. And we were meeting with a group of believers in, in the northeastern part of India in a city known as Bhubaneswar. And Bhubaneswar was one of the, the larger cities in the state of Orissa. And so we were there in the fall in October of 07, in, in 2007. And shortly after the time that we were there, great persecution broke out. Churches were burned, believers were beaten, some even killed. I mean, these great persecutions broke out literally just months. I was there at the end of October in 07, and by mid-December, these persecutions were happening. And what just to this day, what just floors me is thinking about the fact that in all likelihood, I may have rubbed shoulders with and interacted with some of these believers because part of what we did when we were in the city of Bhubaneswar is we were a part of a, a gathering of church leaders. I was working with a ministry called Global Action. We were part of a gathering of church leaders. There were about 3,000 church leaders from all around, all around Orissa who had gathered together in Bhubaneswar. And we were in these essentially these open tent revivals, these big tent revival meetings that happened over the course of three days where where, uh, we were there to preach and encourage believers. And again and again, they would come up to us outside of the, the scheduled meeting times and they would say things like, would you pray for me for this? Pray for me in this opposition. Pray for me in this persecution. Pray for me as, we, as, as we're up again. And they would describe these situations. And, and my heart was so deeply moved, but I remember thinking, I don't need to pray for you. I need you to pray for me. I'm not, it's, it's, it just, 
it was so humbling to think that we came over here to teach you, and yet really you're teaching me because hearing their stories of opposition, hearing their stories of persecution and the things that they were up against, I thought, man, we don't have a clue in America. We don't have a clue what real opposition is. Now, increasingly in our day, I think there is a very real, a very substantial threat to many of the freedoms of religion that are guaranteed by our Constitution. I think that there is a a real struggle. I don't mean to make light of or dismiss the, the opposition that we are against in our culture, because to be clear, we are engaged in a spiritual battle, even in our American culture. I would say in many ways, especially in our American culture today, we're engaged in a spiritual battle where, where there, there is great need for concern, great need for believers to be active in our faith, to pray, to seek a movement of God. So I don't mean to minimize or be, uh, to, to be dismissive of that in any way. But I do want to clearly point out that the fact that we might face some opposition is nothing like the real persecution that we could face, that we may indeed one day face, that is being described. Look at what Jesus says in chapter 16. They will put you out of synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you which assumes then that there will be believers who are killed, right? Whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. Think of, think of Acts chapter 8. Think of the persecutions that Paul was a part of before he was Paul, when we knew of him as Saul and, and the stoning of Stephen and the persecution of the church that took place in Acts. And here was Saul leading the way. Think of oppositions that, are, that we see throughout the book of Acts. Think of, of the, the opposition of, of Herod and, and how Herod sought to, sought to stamp out this movement. Think of the opposition of the religious leaders, the, the, the Sanhedrin, the, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees who sought to, to snuff out this movement known as the way, the early church in the book of Acts. Jesus says, opposition is coming. And when opposition comes, know this, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the work of the Spirit, you will be able to overcome these persecutions. I will will lead you through these trials and you will overcome. The Holy Spirit gives us strength to stand against persecution and suffering. Strength to stand when we face trials and obstacles when we when we are up against difficulties sadly many christians today prefer to be popular rather than face the possibility of persecution it is to our condemnation that as the church in america today in many ways we have given up ground by by choosing the way of the world rather than the way of christ And what Jesus is saying and what we need to hear desperately is that the call to follow Christ is not a call to popularity. It's not a a call to be liked by everyone. It's not a call to, to, to blend in. It's a call to stand out. A call to be different. A call to stand in the power of the Spirit, the conviction of God in the midst of difficulty. point out 
Again, Jesus says, the hour is coming. And here's the when. I've been talking about not if, but when. The hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. Not if, but when. When we face persecution, we can, we can endure through the power of the Holy Spirit. Third, we see the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit in this, in that he builds our testimony through the trials that we face. There's a, there's a word that's used here two different times, this word bear witness in verse 26 and again in verse 27. Speaks about the Holy Spirit when the when the Helper comes, whom I'll send from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. The Holy Spirit will bear witness to Jesus, so that we also may bear witness to Jesus. The word translated from the Greek here to mean to, to say bear witness is the Greek word. Martyreo, which is where we get our word martyr. That's, that's, what, that's literally where the, it's a transliteration of this Greek word, martyreo. There is coming a day when you will martyreo. You will bear witness. You will be a living witness to these things, Jesus says. And it may cost us our lives. Certainly it ought to inconvenience us. Certainly it ought to cost us uh, in, on some level, in, in some way, because, because the, the discipleship is costly. Following Jesus comes at a price. We need to understand these things. And when we face the opposition, when we are at the moment of truth, the moment of decision, the moment when we have to choose whether we will seek the path of popularity and prosperity or whether we will seek the path of a testimony, a stand for the witness of Christ, in that moment, if we will stand, the Holy Spirit will strengthen us. The Holy Spirit will bear witness to Christ so that we might bear witness to him as well. You know, there's, an, there's an old phrase that you'll hear people use sometimes. Someone, when they're sharing about their, their story, about their testimony, and they may be describing a season of life when they were running from God, when they were not walking with the Lord. And, and, and I've heard it described this way before, that people will say, yeah, I was... I was building my testimony in those days, right? And what they mean when they say I was building my testimony is somebody means that those were years when I wasn't walking with the Lord, but now I look back and, and everything that I went through and everything that I have overcome, those things that I, that I faced in life are now a part of the story of God's work in my life. Listen, by no means am I advocating, nor does the scripture advocate, should we ever seek to walk away from the Lord in order that we might have a better story to tell. Anyone who chooses that path uh, is just ignorant of the truth and misses it entirely. And yet, the point of what Jesus is saying here is, you will overcome by the power of the Spirit. And we need to understand that the way that happens is as the Spirit works in us and that he builds our testimony. See, your testimony is not something that is just bestowed upon you. It is something that is built in your life. You build a testimony. You build a story of God overcoming 
the things of this world and giving you strength and and the spirit working in you to enable you to overcome, that's not just something that happens. That's something you've got to go through and come out the other side in order to have the testimony of how God has carried you, how God has moved in your life, how God has led you through some trials. Maybe this morning even you think about things that you're facing, obstacles in front of you. Can I encourage you with this word? God is building your testimony through the trials that you are facing right now. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Understand this. God is building a testimony of faithfulness in your life as you trust him in the midst of your trials. One of the things that we see over and over again in the Gospels the story of the New Testament is that Jesus doesn't rescue us from our trials. Rather, he walks with us through our trials. If we were to be honest, we would rather he just save us from our problems and our troubles. But that's not the way that he works typically. He works in us, through us, as we walk through the valley, as we go through the difficulty. And even at times, we could say he carries us when we need him. It's the power of the Holy Spirit at work helping us to overcome that our lives might bear witness to the saving power of Jesus. And in the midst of our obstacles, as we walk through trials, he will teach us what matters the most. He will teach us about what matters not only in this life, but for eternity to come. Some years ago in the the days, the early days of World War II and the rise of the Nazi Reich, there was a very influential pastor in Germany known as whose name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You maybe have heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer before because he wrote a book that has, has since become very popular. It's been uh, reprinted and translated from German to English. And the name of the book is The Cost of Discipleship. If you've never read Bonhoeffer's The Cost of Discipleship, I would highly recommend it to you. Go get a copy of it and read it because it is, it is a, uh, just a classic work of Christian literature. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, The Cost of Discipleship. And one of the things that he points to over and over again in The Cost of Discipleship is that in so many ways we have, we have uh, perverted our understanding. We have twisted, distorted this understanding of what Jesus teaches us because we think that to follow Christ, to follow the Lord, means that everything ought to be easy and everything ought to be great all of the time. And when we face obstacles, we think, oh, what am I not doing right? And in reality, it's, it's as if the opposite is true, Bonhoeffer teaches that one of the marks of God's work is that there will be obstacles. One of the ways that you can know that God is working in your life is that there will be trials that you will have to face. There will be problems and obstacles to overcome. You can count on it. It's not a matter of if, but when. And when we face trials, when we face obstacles, the way that we overcome is through the work of the Holy Spirit, dependence upon the Spirit, helping us overcome hate, giving us power over 
persecution, building our testimony through the trials that we face. Discipleship is costly. Following Jesus is costly. But can I tell you, it is worth the price. The power of God in us, the joy of Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit makes it worth anything that we might give up, everything that we might surrender to him, everything that we would lay on the altar before God in order that we would follow after Jesus Christ. It's worth it, all of it and more. Let us count the cost. Let us be willing to pay the price. Let us gladly surrender the things of this world in order that we might be unencumbered by the trappings of life and set free to chase after Jesus with all that we have. And may we surrender to the work of the Spirit so that through our, test, our trials, our testimony would be built, so that through our sufferings, the power of God may be seen in us and our lives might bear witness to Jesus. And by his power, may we overcome. Would you pray with me?